cared enough to hire you and give you thousands of dollars, most times they're going to care enough to leave you a five-star review. It's a new dawn, it's a new day, and it's a new episode of the Skid Steer Nation podcast. As always, it's your trusted host, Ryan Deemer. And we usually take this moment to plug Skid Steer Nation and talk about all the great American attachments. You guys have been listening to the podcast long enough. Literally, the name of the store is the name of the podcast. So if you're looking for attachments, head over that way. I'm ready to jump right in with our guest today. I'm excited to meet with him and talk with him. He's a former Blue Line employee. He's a volunteer Red Line employee, and he owns an excavation company and no equipment. So without any further ado, let's welcome our guest, Ben Lapp, onto the show today. He owns a company called Rife Run Excavation, and he's based over in Mannheim, Pennsylvania. Ben, thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah. God, I don't even know where to begin. Like, you've got such a unique background that um, I don't even know how to start this. So let's yeah, just Jack jump right. Jack master of none, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Which is great for life, bad for business. Right. So let's just jump right into what they, like what caught my attention first and foremost. Like sure. eight-year vet of a police department, COVID hits, you decide you've had enough. Walk me through yeah. where you were at with, with your job, the situation you were seeing, and the decision to leave. So it had been a uh, long, thought-out process uh, with my wife. Basically, I was very unhappy with where I was, uh, did not enjoy any of the political nonsense that went on with everything. Um, looking for a way out, uh, opportunity presented itself, and I dived in, um, or dove in, being grammatically correct here. <laughs> uh, went to work uh, for my dad full-time with uh, Pro, uh, so I'd run the reconstruction there and enjoyed it, but uh, wanted to start my own business as well, so uh 2022 formed rife run excavating and trying to make it work ever since hit the ground running so yeah. i noticed that i was looking through your website and one of the services that you kind of specialize <clears throat> in is like basement waterproofing and yep. dewatering did that service come because of the experience you gained working for serve pro and your dad um yes and no uh so i've i've worked in excavation off and on um ever since i graduated high school uh, senior year of high school, I went to Votech for heavy equipment operation, uh, fell in love, you know, running big boy toys in the sandbox. Um, I went to work for a company that specialized in stream restorations, uh, decided that I not enjoy standing in a stream all day holding a shovel. Uh, so left there, um, became a police officer, did that for eight years, like I mentioned, uh, walked off on one for a close family friend who also specializes in basement waterproofing, uh, basically saw what he's doing, said, this isn't that hard. I can make myself a lot of money doing the exact same thing. So basically took the the knowledge and training I had from him and uh, started my own business and kind of tried to offer that as, you know, the specialty service. I love it. Do you think you would be where you're at today if you hadn't worked for your friend that did basement waterproofing? Or was that like um, the catalyst to really spark you into go and do your own thing? I wouldn't have near the knowledge. I could say that, um, you know, and ma making the sales to people, having the knowledge, not making yourself sound better than what they are with your knowledge, but, you know, having that knowledge and experience to kind of explain to them, you know, what what's causing this water to get into your basement. This is 
the steps I take to solve that issue. And, you know, with the suppliers I have, this is the warranty that they offer with that, that if something happens, we'll come back and fix it. Yeah. No. And like what you talked about just there kind of caught my attention, like speaking, not like, you know, more than them. I see your point of view there. And I almost feel like you're supposed to know more than them because this is your expert field. Right. But it's your duty and responsibility to communicate it in an easy to understand, digestible manner. Absolutely. Because they don't do this every day. And I think this is a real big roadblock for a lot of excavation company owners as they start speaking the jargon, they start speaking the short term that we use in the industry. And then a customer looks at them with big dough in the headlight eyes. Like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And then you you just lose them. Yep. Explain it to them like they're a two-year-old, but treat them like, you know, they graduated high school at least. Yeah. Well, there's a reason that, and I say this all the time, and it probably sounds like a broken record, but there's a reason instruction manuals are written at a fourth grade reading level. Yeah. So it's the, um, we always call it like the McDonald's effect, you know, like don't get, don't get to the point where you go to the window and order a number five, just still ask for the double quarter pounder with cheese, large fry and a diet Coke, because the customer doesn't know what a number five is. Yep. Nice. Rife run excavation. Where did the name come from? So a good buddy of mine, when I was thinking about starting this business, he's a, he's a general contractor. Uh, he heard that, you know, I was thinking about starting my own business. He goes, dude, do me a favor. Do not have your name anywhere associated with this thing. You'll thank me in the long run. He's like, you know, you, you absolutely could go name this thing lapse excavation. And, you know, you, there's all but a guarantee the name's not taken. Um, he goes, but you'll hate yourself in the long run. He's like, it's the worst decision I've ever made. Um, so Rife Run is actually a, a small stream that runs through uh, the rear of my property in Mannheim, you know, kicking around. It's probably one of the things that took me the longest to come up with was a name. Um, just, you know, something unique that's local to the area, but still makes sense. Um, so Rife Run is actually the stream that runs behind my house and driving around one day. And I was like, oh, Rife Run. Yeah, yeah that would work. So. Nice. Isn't it funny how our minds work though? Like th- it's so simple as a name for a business and we ponder yeah. it for hours and hours yep. and hours. Yep. I would and, literally and, drive around and just look at street signs and be like, oh, no, that doesn't work. Oh, no, uh, that doesn't work. I I remember when I was in, I was back in the bar and, and restaurant industry and we were going to need to open up a new bar. And I don't know how many hours I spent at night trying to come up with a name for it. And yeah. Like I had lists of my favorite bands and the foods I liked and the places I liked to visit. And I had like, I had like 10 pieces of paper with all these things. I was like, I'm going to be able to combine them somehow and find the perfect name. We ended up naming it Z bar, the letter Z and bar. I mean, it was like, what a waste of my time. Yep. There you go. (laughs) And let's be honest. If your product is good and your service is good and your communication's good, the name is irrelevant. You could be called ABC excavating for all the customer cares. Yep. Um, but it's, I think it's that personal pride that we take in like, Hey, if we're going to own this business, we want to be proud of the name that we present to the, to the people. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. And I agree with that, with like what your friend said, like not using your own personal name. I know there's a lot of guys out there that have either their first name, nickname, last name in their business. Mm-hmm. And that's awesome. Yeah, but it works. It depends on what your goal is. So if your I, goal is to, you know, work this business for 20 or 30 years and pass it down to a a family member. Awesome. Like, it doesn't matter. It's irrelevant, right? Lap has meaning. But if your goal is to retire and you don't want to pass it on to anyone else and you want to maybe sell the business to somebody else or somebody wants to assume it, are you willing to sell your last name? Exactly. 
Yeah, there's a reason it's not called Ryan's Attachment Depot. <laughs> <laughs> so nice. So because um, it doesn't roll off the tongue well, or <laughs> that that might be reason one. Yeah. But reason two was it's to me it's not as a it's not if if I ever want to sell the business, I wanted to have something that was a brand that right. was not associated with myself. Absolutely. Um, just things that I thought about before I did it, probably from my experience owning some other businesses. But I mean, it's just, I took the idea and we're getting way off topic here, but I feel like compelled to talk <laughs> about it. So I was actually just talking with a, with an excavation company owner this morning. He, they specialize in septic systems, but I turned him on to a book called the E-Myth by Michael Gerber and he's been reading it. So he called this morning and we talked for like an hour, but the E-Myth basically talks about taking a small business that you own and following the franchise model and systemizing and building processes mm -hmm. and all of that stuff. So that way you can bring in and like, it sounds terrible when you say it this way, but it makes sense when you look at it objectively, you want to have it so simple and concise that you can bring in the lowest dollar amount employee to do work at a substantially higher dollar amount skill. Yep. Right. So when, when I looked at starting skids to your nation, it was like, listen, how do we build a brand, first and foremost, something that people can connect with, want to find? How do I systemize it so I can get other people to do a majority of the work? Mm -hmm. And then how do, how do I take those systems and build like our Bible? Because at the end of the day, like you can say, oh, we do X amount of dollars in sales. We have a business valuation of X dollars. Let's put it up for sale. But people, when they buy a business, they want it turnkey. So when you can take the hood up and show them what's underneath the hood and you say, hey, here's the yep. processes. Here's how the team does this. Here's how we answer the phone. Here's how we process an order. Here's the communicate. Now you've got something that's worth money. Yep, absolutely. And along the way, we have a lot less headaches on a daily basis because it's not tribal knowledge and it's not, I'm not sure what to do in this situation because we've got it all structured out. Yep. But yeah, if so if you're if you're struggling with your processes in your business, start with the E the letter E, E myth by Michael Gerber. It it breaks it down so simple that again, we as humans complicate everything. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you just gotta remember the KISS method, Ben. Keep it yep, simple, stupid. Absolutely. So <laughs> yeah. All right. So back on track with your story sure. and, and your knowledge and what we want really want to talk about. So right front excavation, you start this business. You retire, or do you leave or retire from the police department? Uh, I didn't have uh, I didn't have years in service in to retire, uh, okay, so, so I, I left. You just walked out, peace yep. out, hands in the air on the way out the door. Got it. You're still a volunteer fireman. You've been doing yep. that since you were a teenager. Yep. You decide to start an excavation business. What was the first? Like, obviously, you didn't go out and buy equipment because you still don't own like an excavator today. What was the first thing you did when you started your business to get moving? First thing, so steps of the process, figure out the name, uh, form the LLC, get a, uh, I think, I forget which um, legal service I used. I think it was one online, like Rocket Rocket Lawyer or something like that. Uh, use them, form the LLC, get everything squared away on on the, the government side so that it's an official business uh, for tax purposes and everything like that. Contacted another buddy. Hey, you need a logo done. I have no idea what I want. You know, Mannheim Central Colors are maroon and gray. Let's stick with that. It's local to the area. Here's the name. Uh, draw something up for me. Uh, so he came up with uh, our logo, which is uh, the excavator scoop, you know, scooping some dirt. Um, after that said, even as this thing goes belly up, I can always use a nice trailer. So went out and bought a trailer and 
Uh, got a Diamond C uh, tilt deck equipment trailer. I think it's like an 18 foot. It's been best purchase I've made so far. Um, lack thereof purchases, but <laughs> it's the only purchase you've made so yeah. far. So uh, had a uh, before I started the business, uh, I had a, a diesel a Chevy uh, 2500 diesel. So basically traded that over to the business. It's paid off. So n- nothing to pay there. I have a trailer payment. Buddy of mine was selling a dump truck. It's a 1997 F700 piece of junk, gas engine, rusted away. And he's like, you can have it. I was like, yeah, perfect. Um, so bought that for pennies on the dollar and uh, just been plugging away ever since. All right. So you get the business structured, you get a mm-hmm. trailer. How did you go find work? So initially it was set up a website, set up a Facebook page, set up any social media page you could think of with the name, uh, just start blasting stuff out there. Anything you could think of, uh, decided, you know, I might as well sink some money into this thing. So took out some Google ads as well as some Facebook ads. Uh, Facebook ad actually got me my very first job, which was a basement waterproof job we did over in, in York, PA. I wish I had before and after pictures to show you. Uh, I think I have them on my Facebook though, not to blast other contractors, but whoever was in there before me did a terrible job. I would have never left a project looking the way they did, but we made it right for them and they were happy in the ends. And that's all that, that's all that matters. So you, you went like a systematic approach of structuring the business, getting some branding for the business created Mm-hmm. setting up websites, social media sites, and then marketing, like whether it be paid dollars or just posts mm-hmm. before you even had dollar one coming in the door. Yep. Yeah. Do you think that was the right approach? That's the approach I took, whether it was the right one or not. I mean, it's, I mean, it obviously worked out for it. We're still in today, business and, so, and knocking right. out, out services. Yeah. Cool. I just was like, I know there's people out there probably wondering about starting a business and they don't know what the first step they want to take is. So yeah, I mean, I, would, I just I would say the biggest thing is, you know, like we were talking about, come up with your name because it's going to take you forever and a day to figure it out. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, going on uh, Google and seeing if that name is even available. Um, you know, if you if you do a, a local Google search of, you know, doing business as I think if you type that in and it'll bring you up to the website and then you can put the name in. It'll tell you if it's available or not. Mm-hmm. I got it. Um obviously the approach worked well for you. And like, I love structure and I like having things completed and moving on to the next phase as Mm -hmm. much as the next guy. I just always believe if you're like on the verge of like starting, especially an excavation company, it's like, what services are you going to specialize in? Because you can't be like you talked about, you can't be a jack of all trades. Like those guys don't scale past a certain level because nobody knows them as the authority for something. Like you're going to grow your business because you're going to be the guy you call when you have water issues around your home. Right. Right. That's what you're going to do. They're not going to call you for a septic tank. They're not going to call you for a culvert. They're going to call you for basement dewatering, basement waterproofing. That's fine. Septic's too stinky for me anyway. Right. Right. (laughs) But to me, it's like, one, does the market that you're in have enough demand for the work that you want to do? You know, it's like if you lived, I don't know, there's got to be, like if you lived in Arizona, basement waterproofing probably isn't the right fit. Right the amount of rain like right so you can't say hey i'm going to do basement waterproofing in arizona so i always like to say hey, go do some research on like different services in your area right to find and then plus your knowledge base and all that to find what you want to do 
And then, I mean, I, I actually did this for myself. We were running videos for attachments. So I actually made some posts in uh, on Facebook. I ended up lining up like nine driveway grading jobs without a business name, just as my own personal <laughs> name. But it, but again, like to me, if doing that before you invest all that time on the front end, it's proof of concept. Right. Right. So proof of concept builds your confidence. Keep structuring while you're doing all that. But like, I always joke, like if you did gravel driveways in the suburbs of Chicago, you'd be out of business in 30 days because nobody <laughs> has one. Right. So, you know, making sure that the service you're going to offer fits the market that you're in. Yeah, absolutely. I would I would definitely say have a have a specialty service, um, you know, that that you have the most in knowledge and information on uh, is, is definitely a key part of doing it. Uh, but, you know, when someone reaches out to you and says, hey, I'm looking for this, you don't hesitate to say yes. But again, you now know, it's on your terms, your schedule, your demand. Yeah. You, you know, but right. you can you could just as easily if you're busy, say uh, that's not really a service that we do. I recommend this company over here. They right. take great care of you. Now you're con now you're in control of it. You're not just cash grabbing any job that comes through the door. Yeah, right. You know, as long as it's within within your trade. Um, you know, example of it would be uh, three weeks ago, a guy reached out to us said, uh, "Hey, I got this uh, rancher. I need gone." I said, "Okay, what do you mean? I want the lot cleared. Rancher needs to go." Uh, so it's been a heck of a learning curve, uh, especially uh, once you start getting into some of the demo stuff. I don't know if you're aware of it or not, but. Uh, the DEP and the EAP are uh, very technical when it comes to asbestos and proving that there's no asbestos in the house and everything that goes along with that. So just another notch in the belt and something else that, you know, you know, for next time. Yeah. And I, you're right. Demolitions and an animal in and of itself. Yeah. And if you don't have I'll, any I'll... desire. Yeah. And in my opinion, <laughs> if you don't have any desire of like making demo one of your top two or three services, don't touch it. Yeah. because. <laughs> Not only is it a learning curve, but it can be a very expensive learning curve. Yes, it can. Yeah. Uh, luckily, this customer's uh, working with me quite a bit, and he, he's very understanding with everything that's going on. And the next one will probably be double in price of what this guy's getting. So <laughs> Exactly. And, and that's if you like, you might say, I'm not doing demo anymore. Yeah. We'll see. We'll have to see what the outcome is on the other yep. side of this project, but. Yeah, I'm a, I mean, demo is one of those services like there's so many companies that are specialized in it, in my opinion, and they've just got it systemized down to the structure and they're reusing materials. They get their dump fees so much less expensive. That, right. I mean, you unless you're doing demo, you just can't compete. Like in Peoria, Illinois, there's companies out here that they're union and they just crush everybody price wise. Hmm. But it's if when you look at the backside of it, Mike, oh. They have a yard. They they own the equipment outright. They're actually recycling the the dirt, the concrete, the brick. They're recycling right. that. Like so, the material has value to them. They don't have to make it all up in the front. That and they're probably running their own dumpster service out of there as well with their own exactly. trucks. And, and yep. you know they're not paying one hundred and seventy five dollars to have a candle delivered. Exactly, and it and all that stuff makes a difference. So yeah, I, it, yeah, and it, demos one of those. And like, if you're going to go in, go in. But if you're just going to tinker with it. Like outside of like a guy having an old woodshed in the back of his property, don't do it. <laughs> yeah. Don't do it. Yeah. In fact, a, a friend of mine actually went out and bought like a 40 ton excavator because he was, he needed the excavator to bid demo jobs. And I'm like, Sam, you're back. <laughs> you're backwards. You can bid the jobs and then buy the excavator or rent it. Or rent it from cat. Yeah. Or rent it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
And, yeah. and he got in there and he got bidding with these large union companies. He's like, how in the world? So now he's sitting with a 40,000 pound excavator, uses it 10 times a year on land clearing, <laughs> pond destruction, all because he wanted to get in a demo. And he just walked away from demo altogether. Um, so yeah, back to you. This fits perfectly into the segment of you don't own any excavation equipment. Nope. You're renting everything for every job. Yep. Absolutely. I, I, and you've been doing this it's for the best almost, way to go about it. Yeah. Why do you say that? Uh, I mean, I don't have, I don't have the work to keep machines turning right now. This is still a side hustle for me, uh, while it's growing, but why should I have a, you know, KXO 40 sitting on my trailer, on my property, just to walk past it every day and piss me off that there it sits on my property and it's not sitting on a job making me money. Um, you know, when I've got a guy down the street where I can go and say, Hey, I need an excavator next week, this date, I've got a job. Do you have something? No. Okay. Then I'll go to, uh, the local Kubota dealer who is, you know, about a hundred dollars more a day, but still works within the price and almost a guarantee they have something sitting on their lot. I can pick up the next day. That price is all factored into my overhead number for the customer anyway whether it has my name on it or the rental company's name on it, the customer's never going to know or care. They're just going to be there. More, I was going to say, care is probably the more important word there. Right. They're just going to be happy on there fixing their problem for them. Absolutely. No, I think it's a great approach. And, and like you're testing the market to figure out what exactly you're going to specialize in, the demand, you're creating the brand, all without having that nut every month that you have to have. Yeah, I I take that excavator payment and I put that into marketing. My wife would be extremely unhappy that we haven't made anything from this excavating business yet, but everything that is made gets turned around and put right back in the business. Uh, that's why I still work 40 hours a week for another company so that, you know, we have funds to live on. And one day yeah. the, the excavation company will pay for itself and it can pay for me to be full time. But until that time comes, there's no point in paying myself from from money to just grow the company is how I see it. I completely agree with you. Reinvestment, especially in the first three years, is probably the most important time to do that. Like if you can, if you can invest every, any, if you can invest all your money, I recommend doing that. Like back into the business, whether it be in branding, marketing, equipment, mm -hmm. teams, processes, all that stuff. But if you have to, like, otherwise, take what you bare minimally need and invest the rest of it. Yeah, because you'll, you'll be happy come tax season too. Well, you'll be happy in three years when you've got a viable living business that you just weren't right. stealing, you know, not stealing, but you weren't taking all the cash <laughs> out of it every month and not being able to yeah. grow. And you just keep running that you're on a merry-go-round doing the same thing month after month after month. Right. I mean, you're, you're working this part-time. Mm -hmm. And when I looked at your website, your social media sites, like you even have a YouTube channel with like four or five videos talking about yep. different projects you do. Like to me, you are light years ahead of the average excavation contract business owner and you don't own a piece of equipment and you're not doing it full-time. Yep. Like I just, I, I have a hard time believing that you're not going to be successful with patience and persistence. Patient. The patience is what kills me right now. Yeah, for <laughs> well, sure. Man, it kills all of yeah. us. Yeah. Yeah. You imagine if we had to carry a child for nine months, I'd be like, no, get it out after six weeks. I'm done. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah. There's a Get reason God. My there's a reason God made the women do that work. Like we're not yeah. we're not designed for it. Oh man, no. I, like I looked at like you've done a very good job branding your business. Was that all deliberate, or did you have outside help with that, or like how, 
how did you go about your marketing and branding? So branding, uh, apart from hiring someone to make me a logo, that's that's about the only assistance I've had with my branding. Uh, everything else was was done by myself. Website, I went through GoDaddy. Uh, they make it stupid easy to set up a website. If you don't have a website, go to GoDaddy. It's not that expensive. Factor it into your expense. You know, sell one job and and it'll pay for your website for the year. I don't remember exactly what the figure is, but I don't think it's over a thousand dollars for the year. Uh, plus, then you can have a you know a custom email that you know my email, for instance, Ben at RightFrontExcavating.com. How how official does that look to a customer uh, when they're getting a, a QuickBooks from me? And it's my name with the business website as the .com. The website's easy. It's just a matter of investing the time into doing it and making it right. Um, still trying to hammer out the logistics of all the SEO and everything else that goes into it. Uh, that's a pain. And that will continue to be a pain because I don't have the patience to deal with it. <laughs> uh, Facebook, again, stupid easy. Instagram, if you have a Facebook, you can create the Instagram. I could go on and list about 30 different social media things I'm on. The well, I was impressed out there. The, yeah. I mean, I, I was mean, impressed at the bottom of your website, you've got Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Yelp, YouTube. Yeah, and, again, and I think I'm missing one or two also. Like you had like seven or eight icons for social media sites on your website. Yeah. And I mean, again, GoDaddy makes that not to keep plugging them, but I mean, they make it stupid easy that you literally just drop your Facebook URL in there and it puts the little icon on your website for you. Yeah. It, it is a whole new world where if you just have a little bit of patience, you can build a web. Anybody could literally build a website. But no, like I would have never looked at your profiles and thought you were part-time. <laughs> you look Good. really professional. Good. Fake it till you make it, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. So what what's the next phase for the, like what's the next leap for this business? Like what's going to get you to go to full-time or where are you at or what's your vision for that? Uh, next leap for me, I mean, is going full-time, but I mean, Again, that's that's one of those leaps that I don't think I'll know I'm ready for it until I'm ready for it. If that even makes sense. Do you have um, Do you have something in your head, whether it be a dollar amount or a, or a benchmark in the business that you're like when this when this gets hit, I can go full time? No, but uh, off the top of my head, I think if I had one job a week, um, I'd be pretty close to jumping ship and going full time. Mm -hmm. Can we dig into that? Yeah. How many jobs are, are you doing right now a month? Let's see. This month, I've had one job. You've had one job this month. Yeah. Is that is that an average month, or is this a low, a slow month, or? Uh, it was actually this summer has actually been incredibly slow. There was like a month in there where the phone didn't even ring. Not a clue why, because Google was still saying that people were clicking on the website. I wasn't running any Facebook ads during that time, but I had kind of had the craps of that and gave up yeah. on that a little bit. But yeah, it, it was just stupid slow. Um, and then all of a sudden there's, uh, there's like three big projects. Uh, I know the ones happening next, next spring, most likely another big, uh, gas line we're trying to get in this year yet. And then that big demo job. Yeah. So let's, let's look at this on a good month this year. Have you had one job a week? No, no. So you have not reached that one a week for four weeks consecutively yet. Right. Right. Okay. Where are you devoting your attention for marketing slash lead generation? Uh, right now, it's all 
pretty much everything's gone to Google. Um, I did just run another Facebook one for like 200 bucks. I have a hard time going away from Facebook completely just because they got me my very first job. But um, again, it just, it's one of the most difficult parts about running a business, I think, is, is doing the marketing as well, because it's incredibly hard to track, even though there's all kinds of numbers out there that'll tell you everything until you're asking people that are calling in, hey, where did you hear about us? Which I'm trying to do more often. Uh, just to see where to reinvest, you know, the the marketing into. So I, I I completely understand where you're at, and I am from the mindset that whether it's Google, Facebook, Nextdoor app, the mm-hmm. local diner flyer down the street, <laughs> they all work. Right. What happens though is, as us as business owners, we don't want to be left out in the dark, so we try all of them. Right which means we're a jack of all trade of marketing and not a master of any. So I'm a firm, firm believer that pick one platform. There, Every platform that's out there can generate enough money for a guy like yourself to go full-time in this business. You, yeah. don't, need, you don't need Google, Facebook, Yelp, and Nextdoor and YouTube. Like You need one of those five in order to go full-time. I'm a firm believer in that. Get really good at one platform. So if you want to get yeah. good at... Going you back know, to you, patience thing. <laughs> well, and, and it's the, all it is, is it's a slight twist of thinking. Right. When you run an ad on Facebook and you don't get the results, a majority of business owners go, Facebook sucks. It's not for me. No, your ad sucked. People didn't like it. That's the truth. Yeah. Right. So all you need to do is change the mindset. Okay. The way I wrote that ad or the way the image looks on that ad or the headline that I used wasn't the right one for my market. Yeah. So like when we create ads for Facebook, we create three to nine ads for every one ad we want to end up with. Okay. Okay. We test. So we'll take three images, three word copies, three headlines. We'll make nine ads so that every headline copy and image is mixed together. And then we run small dollar tests on all of those for five to 10 days. And you let gate, you let Facebook determine how to spend the money on those nine ads. So if you say, hey, let's spend $20 a day on the nine ads combined, Facebook, show the ad that works best to the right people to get the best result. Let them do that. Their algorithm's way better than you and I will ever be at this. <laughs> but at the end of five days, one or two of those ads is going to substantially outperform the rest. So we turn off the money to the other seven and we take the $20 a day and now we focus it on the two. And that's, you're, you're, eight, you're constantly testing. Yeah. But if you're if you're running an ad on Google and then you've got a YouTube video you're making and then you're throwing in a face, like you're not able to, to give the time to one platform to truly test it out and make sure it works. Right. Like if you're running Google paid ads, like you literally could have one word wrong in your headline. And it's the difference between a 10% click through rate and a 25% click through rate. But you'll never go back and check that if you're focusing on four other platforms and how to spend your money and trying to generate money. Yeah. So like when we started Skid Steer Nation, we didn't spend a dollar anywhere other than Facebook. And we got really, really good at running Facebook ads. And then after we got good at that and we knew what worked and what wasn't working and how the platform changed, we incorporated Google two years later. Right. I mean, so like I'm I'm not just preaching, I'm not just saying this. Like this is exactly what I followed from a company because I couldn't be good at Google and Facebook and get great results at both. I was going to get mediocre results at both, which means my cost per lead was going to be higher because it wasn't great. Right. So I was going to spend three grand a month between the two instead of two grand a month on the one and probably get the same benefits because both of them were good, not none of them were great. 
Yeah. So we just focus laser focused on one platform. And I think, you know, so one job a week is your goal. What top line revenue do you need that one job a week to be in order for you to say, all right, I'm going full time? Uh, like total dollar figure on the job or what? Total dollar figure. If I'm doing one job a week and I'm making total jobs, making me five grand, uh, so, I think we're getting close at that point. So you need to do $20,000 a month in revenue to feel comfortable. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's with my wife. She, she works as no. well. Um, sure. So, but $20,000 a month in the excavation industry is not a big number. No. I know there's a lot of guys that are striving for that number. And, and I would actually, I would actually challenge you to say, I want to do 30,000 a month because then your, your whole mindset shifts to hitting a taller number, but it's still, yeah. we're not going a hundred grand. We're going 30,000. Right. And what happens was you don't get fixated on 20. So when you get to 15, you start getting excited because you're almost at 20. Right. And then you miss the boat. Right. So if you're going for 30, you got to get to 22, 25 before you get that excitement. We'll get right. just past your goal. Yeah. I would literally say pick one platform. If you've been having a lot of, which, which one are you having the most success with today? As far as just content or advertising or what? A advertising. Like which, which one does your gut say you're getting the most return for your money on? I feel like Google's probably been the most consistent. Facebook's been the best, but Google's the most consistent, if that even makes sense. It does. Um, Facebook, you get a lot of clicks and a lot of impressions. Uh, but I feel like a lot of those clicks and a lot of those impressions are just wasted. Um, you know, ask your ask yourself when you're scrolling Facebook and you see, oh, it's sponsored ad, and you just keep scrolling because you don't give a crap. Um, whereas Google, you go to Google and you say, you know, I'm looking for this. You're going to click one one of the first page, one of the people on the first pages. So, you know, reviews are huge on Google, um, as well as the the paid ads and, you know, just making sure your website ranks high. No, and and really, and I would actually challenge, I, I wouldn't say challenge. I would actually say that the reviews and having your Google business profile dialed in properly is way more important than SEO. Google ranks local businesses completely different than it does nationwide businesses. Yeah. You know, like you guys, like if you ever look for like pizza near me, like it's not like a normal search results. Like you get a little map and a local list of local, like that's where you need to be. Yep. Like we don't worry, we're not going to worry about excavation companies in New York that have right. better SEO on their website. So it's like, you know, the right images, the phone number. We found that not having your address actually improves your ranking hmm. on your that's Google, like making it, making it so that you're a service-based business only that goes to yeah. them and they can't come to you. Because what happens is like you, you're in Mannheim, Pennsylvania, right? Yep. If your address is listed on your Google business profile, if a town 20 miles from you is searching for your service, you will not be one, two, or three on that list because you're too far away from the service area. Interesting. Because Google knows, Google doesn't think they'll drive 20 minutes to get it. So it's wanting to show it something <laughs> closer to home. So once we, re once we removed addresses from clients' Google business pages... I mean, it was like within a week, like their ranking just started really improving huh. because like we had a business that lived 25 minutes out of the town that they wanted to service and they just couldn't rank in that town. We took away their business address and just said, we, we want to, this is the area we want to service. And they went from like number 12 to number eight in six days. Wow. Yeah. The, um, other, the other big thing with Google is, is reviews. Um, I mean, it's huge. not hard to get reviews. Um, and like in my area, there's a very large scale operation 
multi-million dollar company and i think they have like a total of eight reviews on on their google account it's like (laughs) how how does a business this size not understand how important reviews are today because they were so Um, big before reviews mattered right it, it really doesn't matter to them right so i think there's you're hearing i would guarantee you there's people listening to this right now going reviews are not easy to get Walk walk me through your process to get clients to give you a review, please. So, I mean, I, and maybe it's just the area I'm in. Um, maybe it's the clientele that live in my area. But if it's a satisfied customer at the end, obviously, you're not going to ask every last one of your customers if, uh, you know, they're a Karen, for instance, let's say, um, you know, as long as they're happy, as long as they're happy with the work that you completed, you gave them a fair number. Uh, you know, you did everything that you told them you were going to do, um, and you blew their expectations out of the water. Um, you know, just go up to them. Hey, listen, we're, we're a small business, but we're growing. Uh, one of the best things you can do for us, leave us a review on Google. I'll send you a link here when I get back to the shop, once, you know, all my equipment's put away. Um, you know, I'll send you a link. It'll, it only takes a couple minutes for you. Um, you know, just give me a five-star review. I'd, I thoroughly appreciate that. And that's, that's the best thing you can do to help me as long as you're happy with the services we did for you. But see, I think that, I think what you just said is different than most guys are doing. They're going, Hey, do you mind giving me a review on Google? Yeah, no, it's, it's all about explaining to the customer. I mean, it, it goes back to, you know, talk, talk to them like they graduated high school, but you know, explain it to them like they're on, they're in fourth grade. Um, you know, explain to them why this is helping you. Um, you know, if if they cared enough to hire you and give you thousands of dollars, most times they're going to care enough to leave you a five star review um, because they're happy um, because they want to see you do good. And, you know, it's it's one of the best referrals that you can get is a five star review on Google in my books. hundred percent. We actually work with a lot of guys and like there's two to three things that I kind of focus on when it comes to getting reviews. One, I mean, I'm sure I don't use a Samsung phone, but there's got to be a place for you to keep notes the same way an iPhone has a note section. Keep the link to your Google review in your note section so you have access mm-hmm. to it 24-7. Absolutely. Have some sort of a script like you just went through, how important it is to your business, this and that. And like start with them like, hey, are you extremely satisfied with the work that we provided you with you today? Is there anything we could have done anything different? Communication, work-wise, cleanup? Nope, nope, no. Nope, that's wonderful. Great. Thank you. It's really extremely important to us to be able to get reviews from our clients. It's the only way that other clients know we do a good job. Explain to them the importance of that review, right? Right. And then have it to them like, yeah, I'd love to give you a review. Great. Let me send you the link right now. And then you can either A, wait and hopefully they do it later. Or B, you can just kind of be like, I would really love it if you could do it while we're while we're standing here. So that way you don't have to be bothered with it later when you're trying to cook dinner, get the kids ready, read your emails from work, whatever it is. Eight times out of 10, they'll do it right there because you asked them to. Mm-hmm. So big proponent of asking for it. And if you keep getting friction, depending on the area you live in, this is when like, what's the what's a review worth to you? Would you pay $25 to get a review from every customer you got? Absolutely. So keep a bunch of $25 gas gift cards in your in your truck. And yep. say, if you fill out the review right now, before I leave, I'll, I'll give you a $25 gas gift card. Give them the incentive to do it while you're standing there with them. Yeah. Yeah, who doesn't? Who wouldn't take twenty five dollars in gas in this economy? 
Yeah. Groceries, like whatever. It, yeah. I guess the cards are relevant, right? $25. Right. But gas sure. is something everybody can use. So you're not like, yeah. oh, I don't shop at this grocery store. I don't think, just do gas. Everybody needs yeah. gas. Yep. But having, and again, this goes back to building a framework. Okay, I want to get reviews. Here's the steps that I can take to get that. There's a framework. Now, what's that process look at? Okay, I want to start the conversation with, are you happy? Is there anything I didn't do right? Would you recommend right. me to a friend? Great. Well, the best way for you to recommend me is to give me a five-star review. They just told you, yes, they would recommend you. Now make yeah. them, make the review the recommendation. Right. And shift them into like, oh, I need to give him a review. And then if you need to add the incentive, but like you got, again, like treat it just like you would a checklist for your morning before you go to a job, write out your process, write out your scripts, mm -hmm. write out all the things because reviews are extremely important. We work with a guy in Tennessee. He's got like 29, four and five star reviews, mostly five, a few four stars. He just landed a $330,000 job for a property developer. And he asked him why he why he got the phone call from the developer and the developer told him you were the only company on Google with more than 20 reviews. Wow. Oh, yeah. If, if that doesn't tell you you need Google reviews, I don't know what would. Yeah. I mean, you, you don't, it's, it's one of those things like you were in law enforcement, like you trained religiously how to get the gun out of the holster, how to disarm. Mm -hmm. And how often did you use it? Rarely. Very seldom. Yep. Very seldom, right? But again, it was that discipline to the training to make sure you're prepared for the moment when it hit. Yep. So it's that same discipline of doing the little things, every job, every week, every month, that you don't see yeah. a result from at that moment that will pay dividends in the future. Yeah. And I mean, if if you're that worried about, you know, asking a customer, what's the worst can, that can happen? They say no. Okay. Trust At least you me, got yourself out there. Listen, man, we're men. We were told no a million times by women all through our <laughs> teens and 20s. We're used to it. Yeah, yeah. But I, I don't know. I, I see it a lot with other guys, you know, other, other contractors. Oh, I don't I don't want to do that because what, what if they're not happy or, or what if they say, no, they're not going to leave one or they leave me a bad one. Well, OK, so you go out and you get 10 more. Why are you, why aren't you asking them if they're happy before you even ask for the review? Like they just paid right. you money. Like you should be yeah. making you, sure that that relate because they're. They're your mouthpiece. Yeah. Right. You you shouldn't have your trailer loaded at this point. You Your machine should still be sitting in the yard when you ask them, are you happy? Yeah. You know, give it give it the the look of you're there to make it right um, and make them happy within reason, obviously, um, you know, before you even get loaded, before you even get payment. Ben, have you it, ever like in the middle of a conversation at a Christmas party with friends in the in the community, have you ever had a conversation about somebody's doing some project somewhere and they either need like a painter, electrician, or root, like, it doesn't matter what it is. And if you said, Hey, I just had a guy last year do this for me. He was great. You should give him a call. Have you ever been in a part of that conversation? Absolutely. They happen at every party. Yeah. So when you leave and, and when, when that customer and you guarantee they're happy and, and you don't, and you ask, that's, what's going to happen. Like they become yep. your mouthpiece and they start doing lead generation work for you. when you're not, when you're sleeping. Yep. It's, 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 it's overlooked by many, many business owners. So yeah, I, I love it. Um, I'm glad we went deep on that. <laughs> um, what else? Like um, we got so far off track on that. I'm kind of, kind of off balance now with the interview here. Yeah. I think we started, I think that the whole thing started with, you don't own any equipment. <laughs> yeah. 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 So what's your intentions with that? We're back to the equipment aspect of it. Are your intentions like, do you, again, that's what we were talking about, not yeah. the equipment. 
benchmarks for you to quit oh, surf pro right. and go full time. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I, and then, like I said, I mean, you know, 30,000 a month, um, which was the new goal. So maybe we should just increase that to 35 instead. Um, you just told me you know. 20 a minute ago. Now we're at 30. <laughs> well, yeah, you, you, you told me 20 or I said 20, you said you should hit 30. So, you know, I'll raise you again. We'll go to 35 and I love it. Um, you know, set the goals high. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think once I'm kind of to that point of, you know, a job, a job a week, uh, it's going to be too much trying to manage two different business worlds at the same time. It can already be a, a bit of a hassle now. Lots of nights, lots of weekends of lack thereof family time, just so that, you know, it's getting done on both sides. Um, but, you know, you got to do what you got to do to make the business survive and keep plugging along. Yeah. Would you would you like my approach and my advice to you to get to one job a week? I, I would always take advice. Okay. Do you know how many estimates you need to give in order to land a job? Roughly five. So we need five estimates to get one job. Probably. Okay. Side note, review your estimate side of it. You're either marketing to the wrong people or something's not yeah. right with your estimate. Like you should be at two to three, in my opinion. Okay. Okay. That, that was ballpark off the top okay. of my head, but yeah. So anyway, we have five estimates that we need to get one okay. job. How many people do you need to talk to in order to provide five estimates? <laughs> Too many. Too many? 10, 15? So... I, I, not to get too deep into this also, but I've tried to really narrow down uh, clientele, you know, um, give them a rough number on the phone before I even run out and look at the job just to make sure that they're interested. You know, a guy called me today looking for a sewer hookup. All right. Uh, what's the, what's the length on that? Okay. So you're looking roughly $1,400 to, you know, hook this up. If, if that number doesn't scare you away, we can keep moving forward. Um, just so I'm not driving an hour there to look at a job, drive an hour back, take another hour to write an estimate, line the plumber up and just for him to say no. So That's I probably, brilliant. so I probably talk to more people than I need to. Um, but I feel like it's made my estimate, the number of estimates I'm writing go down as well. Um, yeah. you know, so you're only writing the estimates for the potential serious customers. So we're just going to say one job a week, five estimates, 10, 15, 20 people to get five. Uh, give me the number. 10 people, probably 10 people. Yeah. My recommendation to you is just get fixated on having 10 quality conversations a week. Don't worry yeah. about the jobs. Don't worry about the estimates. Don't worry about anything else. Just make sure you have 10 quality conversations a week, whether the phone rings or you have to make the calls and inquire. Yeah. Because when we start looking at one job a week, we start looking at dollar amounts. And then we get frustrated because we don't have the front half of the funnel working to get us to that number. When you focus on the big surface of the funnel, 10 people a week, the rest of it, it that's why they call it a funnel. If you put 10 in, one comes out. That's the whole goal. Yeah. Of, so focus on the top. Get the 10 conversations. I guarantee mm -hmm. you, your estimates will come from that. I guarantee you, your work will come if you put enough people in on the top whether it's through paid ads, conversations, email, it doesn't matter. That's That would be my recommendation to you is like to get to one job a week, know your numbers as far as that. So your number's 10 people a week. Don't go to bed on Friday until you've had 10 quality conversations with people, even if you got to call them. Yeah, that's good advice. Are you going to buy equipment before or after you go full-time? 
<laughs> uh, probably after, uh, yeah. the rental thing just makes sense for now. Pick the machine up, use it, drop it off. Don't worry about any of the maintenance to it and give the guy some money to use it. So until it becomes a hassle to get a piece of equipment that I need, I can't, I can't justify getting, getting anything at this point in time. Yeah. Uh, mostly because the wife, I mean, she'll, the first thing she'll do is dig a six foot hole. So, you know, um, yeah, I, it, to me, it's a double-edged sword. Like the dollar amount not that you're not on the hook for every month makes it easy, but it also makes it easy not to go do the work to get the work because yeah. you don't have, you know, like you don't need it. Like you want it. Right. So when you like, like you either quit your job or you buy some, like you have some catalyst that lights the fire and takes it from a level two, three to a five, six, seven, eight, nine. And that's yeah. when you start really seeing. So I always tell people, if you need $20,000 a month in, in revenue to quit your job and do this full time, quit at 15 because you'll go from yeah. 15 to 30 like this. Cause it's your primary focus. Yeah, man, Ben, this has been a, a great conversation. I think yeah. I think your approach to running a business, not owning equipment and focusing on the customer service and your brand is wonderful. Thank you. Um, I think just adding a little bit of fire to like one avenue for marketing could make a could could be the difference maker for you getting where you want to go. Yeah. Yeah. So if you guys are out there listening, you're on the fence about going full time or you just recently went full time and you're still struggling to figure out how to get your numbers, follow Ben's plan. Build a great brand, focus on focus on some advertising, some specific services, and minimize your expenses until it's a need, not a want. What would you tell I'm yourself? Better myself. Yeah. Ben, what would you tell yourself two years ago with the knowledge you have today? Just do it. Just, Just do it. Take the plunge. I mean, is it scary? Yeah, but it's far more enjoyable than it is scary. Um you know, I, I sat on the fence for a long time thinking ah, I can never make it work. I can never do it. Uh, finally, just, you know, dove in. Just do it. I mean, what do you have to lose? Some money? You can make that back up. Absolutely. Great advice, my friend. And I think on that note, we'll wrap this show up. Thank you so much again for taking some time and, and joining us today. You're a unique business owner. Not many people you talk to have a wonderful brand a good marketing vision and no equipment. So it just goes to prove there is no specific way to grow a business, find your way and do it the best of your ability. So yeah. Excellent. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah. You're welcome, man. Best of luck to you. And if there's anything that skids to your nation or myself can ever do for you, please don't hesitate to reach out. We're here for you. Definitely down the line. Awesome. Well, if you're like Ben and you are trying to grow a business and at times you feel like you're stuck or not sure what to do, we have a solution for you. It's called Groundbreaking Growth. Groundbreaking Growth is a division of Skid Steer Nation. It is a coaching consulting firm that works with you side by side and helps you from day one till you don't need any help anymore. Structuring your business, working on your marketing processes, helping you develop better sales, and most importantly, defining your culture and determining how to hire the right people when it's time to grow. So if you're struggling and you want to get moving faster sooner than later, go over to groundbreakinggrowth.com, book a call. When you book a call, you'll speak with me directly. Even if we don't work together, I guarantee you will walk away from that conversation a better business owner. So until the next episode, guys, take care. <laughs>